Uh, can I have someone volunteer to view the timer for our next panel? Oh, you do. Okay. And then the signs are right there. I don't. No timer. Do you have? Do you have your phone? I can give you my iPhone. Okay. Okay. <coughs> Welcome to the 2011 Region 2 Convention. My name is Matt. I'm a compulsive overeater and the moderator for this session. Hi, guys. And uh, this session is called Panel, You Can Change Your Life Now, Young People's Focus. Uh, please help us preserve our shared tradition of anonymity by refraining from taking pictures in this or any other meeting room. Will everyone who cares to please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. As I said, the title of this panel is You Can Change Your Life Now. The format of this session is a reading from our literature, three speakers, and questions from the Ask It basket. As the speakers are sharing, we'll pass around a basket with paper and pencils for you to write any questions you may have. Please specify if you're directing your question to a specific speaker. Please be sure to keep the basket moving, even if you've already passed it. As speakers continue to share, members may think of questions that they did not have when the basket first passed by. Um, Below is a reading from page 7, paragraph 6 of the June 2011 issue of, of the Lifeline magazine. OA is not just about physical recovery. Often physical recovery does not come at the beginning, and that's okay. It did not occur for me until I had been in program long term. I kept trying to work the steps and did. A combination of physical, emotional, and spiritual recovery has kept me coming back and living a new life that is truly joyous, happy, and free. Our first speaker is Laura from L.A. who will speak for 12 minutes. Hi, I'm Laura. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater and anorexic. 
Hi, everyone. Um, did not know who's going to be standing. Okay. Um, who, who's timing? Kramer, can I have four, four, and four? Oh, okay, that's great. Okay. Um, so, hi, I'm Lara. I'm a recovering compulsive reader and anorexic. It's really great to be here. Um, Barbara, wherever you are, thanks for asking me to share. Hello, panel. Oh, hi, Barbara. <laughs> um, it's a real honor to be here, and it's, um, okay, so it's a complete honor to be here, and I really can't believe my life sometimes, and then I did find recovery at a young age. I'm 25. I turned 25 two weeks ago. I came in at 21. Um, I think I'm going to do what it was like. Um, I don't know if I was born a compulsive overeater, and I don't care. I just am what I am, and <laughs> food for me, um, it was my best friend. It was something that didn't judge me. It let me be what I wanted to be. It didn't talk back to me. It wasn't mean. It just didn't do anything but numb me out. And I needed to be numb because a lot of things were happening that I didn't have control over. And um, my whole world, I was sexually assaulted when I was 13, and my whole world changed. And someone asked me recently if my world changed. Um, when my mom got sick at that age, and it was like, no, like, my world changed when I, you know, I was assaulted, and, and, I, and I asked someone to stop touching me, and they didn't, and I felt completely silent for the rest of my life, um, and he was a much older man, and so I felt like I'm asking for what I want, and you're not listening to me, and for the first time at a very young age, I said, you know, please stop, you know, whatever, and he didn't, and I was like, I was just shut down. Um, and I started eating, and food for me, it didn't talk back, you know, um, and then, so, sorry, I'm, like, getting nervous, I'll, I'm gonna take my shoes off, y'all, they are so big, please, like, God, I did not know I was gonna be standing, okay, so, <laughs> I need to get comfortable, um, so, um, if you're listening to this, they're five inches. Okay. So, um, <laughs> okay. So I just, um, I needed to check out and I needed to numb out. And for me, I always felt like a bobblehead. Like I was always told that I was really pretty when I was little and like women and men would like chase after me in like the bathrooms and like tell my mom, like your little girl's so cute. And so I got a lot of attention. And so I felt that because I got attention, it was my fault for being assaulted. And then my mom actually did tell me that, it, that um, I was assaulted and that it was, you know, it was my fault. And so that's my background. I come from a really unconditional, loving family, but, um, but I didn't know, uh, I didn't, uh, what do I want to say? I didn't know how to accept their love because I felt so rejected. Um, so, God, I am so nervous, and I don't know why. Um, I'm sorry. I'm totally stumping here, and I just need to be honest. Um, shit. Um, okay, so I went through... Um, Thank you. 
I went through um, high school and college, and I just kept eating, and I kept eating, and I kept eating. And for me, I needed to keep you away. I needed to get really fat, and I needed to get really ugly so that nobody would hurt me. And those are my life goals. And I did. I top weight. I didn't get really fat, you know, whatever. I got I got heavy. I got up into the high 200s, um, and my lowest is 147. And so I love to binge, and I love to starve. Those are my things. Um, I've dabbled in bulimia, but, but not much. Um, and... Um, I'm sorry, I I just, um, God, I don't know why I'm blanking. Okay, it's just my story. Um, I'm just really emotional because I didn't really know that I would ever make it here, and my life was a fucking wreck. And sometimes, like, I just pinch myself because I don't feel like, I'm still not good enough. I'm never going to be enough. Um, whatever I do, like, you can't love me, and I and I need to keep a wall up. And these rooms, um, they break through that wall, and it's really uncomfortable. And I have people like Christine who will, like, sit in front of me and, and let me know, like, it's going to be okay. Um, so I have three years and um, three months of abstinence and <laughs> and um, my abstinence is no binging and no pizza um, my sponsor asked me when I when I came in here like what are the things I want to have sex with and what are the things I can't do with and I was like I want to have <laughs> I was like I want to have sex with sourdough bread and all bread. People are sugar addicts. I'm a bread whore. Like I want to do. I want to do really bad things to it. Um, <laughs> I cannot eat bread like a lady, y'all. Um, so <laughs> you know. Um, and so I stopped binging because I just like couldn't live in a world where I was binging. And binges for me like just mass quantities of food in front of me. Um, that's a binge for me. And it's going to the next place and the next place and the next place. Thank you. Um, do I have five left or that's five minutes? You don't know. It's cool. Um, so <laughs> God, y'all are getting me in rare form. Um, okay, so I came to this program, though, not because I needed to lose weight, because I was 21. I was flunking out of college. I was lying to my parents that I was passing my classes. Um, I'm really close with my family, and I felt like an idiot that, like, I couldn't pass these classes because I was eating, and I wouldn't go to class because I didn't think I was good enough, and I went to fashion school, and I didn't like my clothes, so I didn't go, um, and I was wasting money, and I came here because, um, huge recovery, I'm taking off my jacket because I'm hot, I'm not hiding, um, um, I came to program at 21 because, I couldn't do what I was doing anymore. And what I was doing was binging until 5 in the morning at fast food restaurants. Um, I was in really uncomfortable, inappropriate relationships with men. I needed men to love me. Um, 
I'll be honest, I gave a lot of blowjobs. That was my way of them loving me, and I never had sex, so I prided myself for being a virgin until 21. And it was like, for me, it was like, let me just do this one thing really great, and then you don't have to focus on how ugly and fat you think you really think I am, because I've already decided how you feel about me. Um, and then I was assaulted again in college, and... And I shut down again. And But here's the great thing that came out of that. Um, I, um, today, so I got abstinent, and I'm all over the place. I got abstinent, and I never failed another class again, ever. Um, I got abstinent, and I pretty much stopped hating who I was. Um, I didn't lose weight right away because it wasn't important to me. I was willing to do whatever it took to get, like, right in my head. And I put on about 30 pounds in program, and I've let it go again. And um, and today I work a job. Um, I'm not in a relationship. And I'm open to one, but I don't have to be in one. Um, I um, I feel like... I feel like I kind of honor who I am today by my actions. Um, I don't hide from things. I don't, um, I, um, I feel comfortable in who I am today. And that is a gift. And that is a blessing. Um, I like who I am. I love who I am. I don't constantly hide anymore. Um, I have sponsees. I have a sponsor. Um, I've gotten through uh, step seven. I'm on step seven. Um, I just, I, I really can't believe I'm here because my whole world is I'm not good enough no matter what I do for you. And I need to do uh, X, Y, and Z for you to love me. And um, and I need to be really fat so that you stay away. And that's just not true today, um, which sucks sometimes because, like, <laughs> I said this the other day, being comfortable is uncomfortable. Like, I'm comfortable, and then I'm like, God damn it, why am I comfortable? Like, I shouldn't be because of all these things. Um, I have a really big ego, and some of that ego is uh, I just turned 25 and I'm changing careers, and it excites me and it terrifies me because I wanted to be the girl who who just went through life, you know, and, like, got to a certain age and did a certain degree and then got married and had kids, and, like, that's not my life. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, what else do I want to say? Um you know, I think some of the, even though I've been, like, more nervous than I could have ever imagined, um, I think writing, not writing a script is huge recovery. And just coming up here and letting me just be who I am and, and not be perfect and not say what I want you to walk away with. You know what I mean? Um, I go to about three meetings a week uh, because they're my medicine and I need y'all. And I never want to leave these rooms because life out there is too scary. I can't do it. I have to stay abstinent. I have to stay away from pizza. I have to stay away from certain things. I have to have certain relationships in my life. Um, I'll wrap up and just say that um, I didn't 
I didn't expect to be so nervous and for it to go like this, but I'm so grateful that I get to be that with y'all and that you give me um, a home to come to and that I really just get to be myself and take my shoes off and now put them back on. Thank you. Our second speaker is going to be Eddie, and he'll be sharing for 12 minutes as well. Hi, Eddie, compulsive overeater. Wow. Okay. So um, I guess I'll just start by uh, qualifying. I have been abstinent two years and nine months, and through the grace of God, I am down uh, 57 pounds for my top weight, and I'm in a normal weight range. Thank you. Um, this is actually the first meeting I've been able to say that at because I've been fighting it for so long, but um, I guess I'll just go with what it was like. Um, growing up, I really felt like I never had a mother because my mother was sick at a young age. Um, so sick, in fact, that we actually had to move to Mexico because we couldn't afford living here. Um, you know, she had a coma and a stroke and paralysis and a whole bunch of things that um, made my dad take care of her while I was taken care of by my sister. Um, and, you know, at two and three years old, I was learning to walk, talk, eat, use the restroom just like my mother was. And my sister, who was only a few years older than me, really became my mother. And um, and then as I got older, we were able to move back and I was able to do school here and everything. Um, and and then my mother did as best as she could. And um, food really helped me cope with not having a regular mother like everybody else that I knew. Um, so I ate and eating was my best friend and I ate all day every day um, and it wasn't until about third grade that I was um, molested by an older cousin and um, and then you know I was able to grow up with manners so if I was eating I wouldn't have to talk about it and that was a great way for me to not have to talk about it and um, you know over the course of fifth to ninth grade I was able to gain a hundred pounds and um, what that looked like at school was me being the butt of the jokes before anybody else could beat me to them. And that was me trying to be friends with everybody because I needed everybody to like me. Um, so, uh, so fast forward, 15 years old, uh, 235 pounds. What 235 pounds looked like on me was a 40-inch waist and two XL clothing I, at 15 years old and like five feet and two inches tall, was wearing much larger clothing than uh, the older males in my family, which is really humiliating. Um, I was also a borderline diabetic, and that wasn't enough to scare me. Although I had tried quite a few things, um, quite a few different things to try to lose the weight. Um, also, around the same Right before I came into program, um, I w also was having um, identity crisis, and I was coming to terms with the fact that I liked boys, and um, that was really difficult for me to accept, so eating helped with that as well. Um, then there was a youth program at my school, which really helped me. I, 
I didn't want to go to it, and I was actually really fighting it, but um, because I was also in the midst of, like, doing another weight program on my umpteenth time, and um, and then, you know, I was eating a whole bunch of, you know, binge foods, and I remember my mother asking me, you know, why are you eating so much? And I was like, am I overeating? Maybe I should check out that youth meeting. So I did just that, and the second I walked in, I started crying, and it was just such a relief, and... Um, it was such a relief that I kind of felt for the first time and, you know, program was a lot for me to take in, but I did. Um, I just kind of did what I was told and, and, you know, I got a sponsor the day after and, um, you know, recovery didn't come so easily in a very small youth meeting of, about me and the, the, the teacher hosting it who was in great recovery and an ex-variable student who came and went. Um, because at 15 years old, it's difficult to admit that you have a problem, and it's difficult to understand what anonymous means. So <laughs> you're scared that, like, high school kids might, you know, be really vicious and say, hey, that fat kid was at that meeting. Um, so, you know, I just, I did what I was told, and I kept going. And, um, you know, looking back, I for a very long time, um, it was difficult for me to accept uh, where I was in recovery because I didn't really make those connections between, you know, even though I was in program for a year and a year and a half, you know, and a sponsor who was really loving and kind, I didn't really understand how I was using the food and I was maintaining an overweight body size um, because it was difficult for me to really just understand program, period. It was, um, there was still some maturity for me to kind of obtain and um, and then I, you know, she I was able to start working with a different sponsor who has made all the difference. And this woman has been so loving and kind and able to tell me exactly what I need to hear. Um, I was able to really just keep going. And I was able to continue growing and program in a way that I had never been able to understand before. Um my abstinence is uh, two meals, uh, three meals and two <laughs> snacks, sorry. Um, the second snack, I pretty m both snacks actually, I really don't use unless I need them. Um, and my food plan is just healthy eating. Uh, I eat a lot of, um, I eat a lot of natural foods because processed foods just really mess with my mind. Um, also, what else do I want to say? I'm starting to blink. Um, <laughs> sorry. Also, um, what program, I guess I'll talk about what program is like for me today. I have five minutes, right? Or less than five minutes. Um, you have five minutes and 45 Great. Okay. So I have a lot more time than I thought I needed. Um, okay. So I guess I'll, uh, start talking a little bit more about what program and being in program is like for me today. Because before I, it was difficult for me to not only understand what program was about because I, Maybe it wasn't as mature as I needed to be, but it was difficult for me to feel like all of you wanted to talk to a kid and all of you wanted to really be with a kid. So it was difficult for me to trust, and that was an issue that I really had a hard time uh, dealing with. Um, so that was something that I also had to kind of work through and program. Um, also, I'm trying to think. What was I trying to, to say? I guess I can't remember. Um, also, actually, loving myself was really difficult because 
um, I wanted others to love me and um, kind of coming into what my sexuality was as a young gay teenager and um, what being in program was like was difficult for me to understand. And I really hated myself, but I hated myself even more when my face was in the food. So I resorted to really dangerous things like meeting older men online and, um, and you know, it was actually through my last time that I did that that I met my new sponsor. And... Um, she really saved my life that day. Um, so I'm really grateful to her for that. And um, and what else? Um, also, looking back, uh, another frustration was my weight just kind of staying the same. And at 15 years old, you know, <laughs> puberty doesn't always, you know, let somebody lose weight so easily. So uh, for a long time, I was kind of just maintaining that overweight body size. Um, but something that I wasn't doing was, you know, gaining any more weight. And uh, being in program really kind of helped me cap that 235 pounds because I used to have to go to the doctor every single month so that he could tell me how much weight I gained. And, um, you know, whether it was two, three, or four pounds a month. Um, and then my mom would cry, and then she would take me to the nearest fast food restaurant right after. Um, so that was, you know, really difficult for me. But... Um, finally, you know, kind of, I'm kind of going back and forth, but kind of fast forwarding back to being in program, you know, my weight was at least staying the same while I was growing. So, um, I was able to kind of see a few changes and just recently when I, you know, and by recently, I mean, maybe the last nine, 10 months, I, I don't know, year almost when I really kind of started understanding what program was about and, what program is about to me is having a fellowship of people who are just my circuit and who keep me going when I don't want to go. Um, I know what it feels like to be loved. I know what it feels like to have people and not feel alone. Um, I'm learning to love myself, which is really difficult, but I, I don't hate myself as much as I used to. And, um, and uh, what else? The program just kind of gives me peace. You know, um, I'd be lying if I said the food doesn't call to me. It actually calls to me pretty much every day. And, you know, I get to work through that with somebody. And that's really such a gift. I also, in program, I just, I get to be accountable. I get to, to be an adult. You know, I was babied for a really long time. So I didn't have to be accountable before. But today I get to to. I'm learning to become a functioning member in society. Um, today, you know, I'm not a 40-inch waist. I am uh, 178. Uh, I weigh 178, and what that looks like on me now is a 32-inch waist and about medium shirts, which is um, a lot better than what it used to be. And, you know, that's just the physical side to it, and even that um, is really proof of... of before, thank you, before I used to think, oh, my life would be so perfect if I only weighed this much and I only looked like this. And today I get to learn to love myself. I get to recognize that person in the mirror and I, I, I get to act as if because I, I just, I get to act as if. And sometimes I, I still look at myself and I still think I see that 235 pound person, 40 inch waist, but 
today I get to act as if I am at a healthy body range, which I am, and I get to act as if I love myself, which I'm actually learning that I do. I get to um, be of service, and I get to help others, and um, I get to, to just be in program. And uh, today I actually go to about three meetings a week, and I also um, measure my food, and because I just noticed that when I measure my food, my mind isn't so crazy. Um, I get to I get to learn what it's like to be comfortable, and uh, when things work for me, I get to try it out for 24 hours the next day. And if it keeps working, I just keep doing it. And um, something else that I learned also was that as much as you know the food may call to me occasionally. Um, Instead of being resentful towards my higher power, who I have to keep close to me at all times, I get to thank him for giving me foods that give me a peace of mind. Because before, nothing used to do that. And I get to be grateful, and I get to thank people for everything that they do for me. And I just, I get to be me, and I get to be happy, joyous, and free. And that rhymed. <laughs> but uh, that actually sounded like Dr. Seuss talking, not me. But um, yeah, that's my time, so thank you. Our third speaker is going to be Christine from L.A. She'll be speaking for 12 minutes as well. Hey, y'all. I'm Christine, a compulsive overeater, restrictor, caffeine addict. And you couldn't see on there. I just picked my wedgie. Um, so thank you all for being here. I just Friday at this time is usually when I want to be napping, not listening to young people talk about their recovery, because what do we know, right? Most of you in here look like you're my age or maybe a bit older. Um, but thank you for being here to support us sharing about our recovery. And as an addict, there's nothing I love more than to get to be of service, check, and talk about myself. Like, amazing. So that's what I get to do today. Thank you for being here. Um, I'll get some numbers out of the way. I've been in Overeaters Anonymous for four and a half years, four years, seven months, and I have four years and a little over three months of abstinence. So I didn't get this thing right away. Thank you. Um, Barbara, thank you so much for asking me to be of service. I'm really, really grateful. There are people in this room who I love more than anything. Uh, sponsees, former sponsees, my partner, who's timing. She's really cute. Um, just people here who I love and care about in these rooms. And love and care about all of you because you're members of OA. So thanks for being here. Um, I guess what I think I'll talk about today, um, obviously I'll do the kind of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, but I want to talk about my relationship with myself, because the title of this session is, You Can Change Your Life, Woo! with exclamation points. And funny thing is, y'all, I actually can't change my life. That's sort of something I got disqualified from uh, when I realized that I'm an addict, I'm a compulsive overeater, and when I try and change my life, funny stuff happens, like the opposite of what I want to have happen happens. When I try and lose weight, I gain weight. I don't know if anyone relates to this. When I try and write the most perfect paper, I stay up all night writing it, oversleep, and then hand it in late and get a D or whatever you write. Like that's the way me running my life works. So what I'll say um, is that this program has taught me that my life can be changed if I work these steps, if I do what you all have done, if I develop a relationship with a higher power. If I develop a relationship with all of you, it'll grow. So that's like the scariest thing ever when I came in here. 
I didn't like having relationships with people. I liked being a puppeteer, right? I liked being the one who controlled relationships. Or like I heard today, I liked just letting you run the show and not speaking up for myself and not saying what I needed. Huge recovery. I'm, I'm holding up right now for you going on here. A cup with a shit ton of ice in it. When I was upstairs, I could so tell the Starbucks guy didn't want to give me more ice. There was like three cubes swimming in here. I'm an addict. I like my food really cold or really hot. So I went up there uh, three, count of three times. Could you just put a more ice in there? Thanks so much. That's huge recovery. I know it sounds like nothing, but before this program, I would just sort of settle, right? I'm a major people pleaser. I'm a recovering people pleaser. I'm a recovering perfectionist. All that comes for me with compulsive overeating. Because compulsive overeating, in order for me to eat more than my body needs, I have to be disconnected from my body, right? I mean, think about it. If I was actually in touch with this sweet little gut of mine, um, then I wouldn't want to put extra food in there that makes me feel sick and um, disgusted with myself. But that's what I did for 23 years before I came to these rooms was every single meal, every single day, because those weren't meals. What I was eating were not meals. You know, my snacks were like pork chops and mashed potatoes. Those were snacks. Uh, breakfast is what you didn't want to know. Um, the wreckage of my past. Uh, but, right, in order to eat that way, I had to be completely disconnected to what I was feeling physically, Right. In order to live the kind of dishonest, crazy-making life that I had before these rooms, I had to be disconnected from my feelings, right? And in order to have relationships that really didn't work for me, that really weren't authentic, I had to be disconnected from all of you. So that's where my disease brought me to, was being disconnected from myself, from God, from my body, and from other people. And guess what? That's what I was comfortable with. For those 23 years, that's what I had to do to survive. I'm also a sexual assault survivor. I'm really grateful I got to hear about that today. I'm also um, a lesbian. I'm, you know, I'm queer, so I got to hear about that today. Um, and I, all my life, I just never felt good enough, never, ever, or relate to what other speakers have shared. I come from a family of addicts and alcoholics. I come from chaos. I come from lots of change, lots of things that were outside of my control. Um, and genetically, I think there might have been a component because I think I've been a compulsive reader since birth. I made some crude comment at a meeting recently about should I say it on here, you guys? I shouldn't say it. Okay. There's a crude comment about um, there not being enough breast milk for me. I didn't say it in very nice terms. But basically, I could never have enough. There could never be enough. There weren't enough A-pluses. There weren't enough boyfriends, no girlfriends. There just wasn't enough love and approval for me in the whole wide world. And what's so beautiful about working the program of Overeaters Anonymous is that now I get to be enough. I have a God that I help, or I call it my higher power, my woman spirit goddess, whatever. She morphs. She kind of does her thing. Um, where what, what is available to me in the universe gets to be enough in any moment. And here's what's awesome. You all get to be enough, right? Like you get to be enough. Who you are in this moment gets to be enough. So I'll just maybe kind of touch base. How am I on time, sweetie? Not looking good. Okay, okay. I didn't hear any of that, but I think I'm good. Um, it's all about me, more than five minutes. Um, is that, okay, so I'll, I'm going to give you an example of what it used to be like, and this is really shameful for me, so thanks, honey. I don't know what that means, but, um, so, but I'll, I get to share on a group level because that's what I learned to do. Um, the other day I was looking at this, what do I call it, this certain social online networking site that young people use a lot, starts with face, ends with book, and I was on there, and I was looking through old messages I had sent people when I was still in college, still in this disease, and what I'll, really quickly, I'll just say, I'm a close over eater through and through, I had nine months of restricting, it's my best idea to get in control of my life after college was to, to lose weight and to exercise compulsively, that got me down, I lost, I think, about 20 pounds, and this is, a, I'm wearing the same clothes I did when I came to these rooms, but what I always, always say is that nine months of restricting brought me to my knees faster than 22 years of overeating, so props 
to any folks who've tried to diet in here, any um, anorexic bulimics, my heart goes out to you and to all of you. But that shit killed me quicker than anything else. So, okay. So when I was still in my disease, I was reading through um, – I wasn't in my disease. I was reading through when I happened to be in my disease. These messages I had sent, and I'm not kidding you, y'all. I sent messages to people I went to high school with just to tell them what I found offensive about their profiles. Not like, how you doing? How you been? Life's good. What are you up to? Was, do you know what an asshole you look like when you put down that you were part of the big titty club? Like, I mean, I, I'm also a recovering radical feminist, which I'm absolutely a feminist, but, and that's an outside issue. But what I mean is the way I used to go through the world was to find out what was wrong with it and what was wrong with you. Certainly what was wrong with me, and it was my job to fix it. I believe they have that much power. Like, isn't that hilarious? The second step is for real when we talk about the insanity of this disease because I actually thought it was my job to make sure the world was perfectly equitable, which I wish it were my job because I would fix that stuff, but it's not. Um, right? And that it was my job to make sure everyone in my life was doing what they were supposed to be doing. It was my job for you to love me, and it was my job to fix and clean me up. That just never worked. So I was looking through those messages, and it was, I mean, there were multiple, y'all, I'm saying messages. There were, like, person after person, and I was waving the finger at them. It's amazing. None of them were like, hey, F off. Like, thank you. No one actually said that. It was incredible. But now, to fast forward to what my life looks like now, I sponsor incredible people who come to me and get to share with me their most ucky, gucky stuff, and I just get to love them. So, yep, been there. Yep done that well let me one up you guess what I did once in a drive through right like I get to just hear them and love them today my relationship with my family relationships have completely transformed before this program um, I was in resentment I felt crazy because they were crazy I will say that I'm in another program I'm in a people program I think this is a people program I think we can mostly overeat because of how we're wired and because of how we interact with the world um, but through these two recovery programs, I've been able to learn loving detachment. I've been able to learn how to let other people be who they are and to just take care of myself. Um, my work life has changed dramatically. I used to be the most resistant to change. My boss would be like, we have an exciting new development. I'd be like, hold on, let me just, you know, like bracing myself for any kind of change, good or bad. And this year I was recently promoted to a much more senior position, and I'm just flowing with it, y'all, just showing up, being of service, and doing my best. I want to talk about God. Um, I didn't have a relationship with a higher power before this program because a relationship is two-sided, right? A relationship is give and take. Before this program, I knew how to take, right? I knew how to ask for stuff that I wanted. I knew how to make demands of this higher power. Um, I was agnostic, technically, so I didn't really have an opinion about whether or not a higher power existed. And today, I absolutely, without a doubt, know that a higher power exists because I'm abstinent. How in the book could that have happened without a power greater than myself? I think absence is a gift. I might not be popular for saying this, but I think willingness is a gift. I don't think any of us can force ourselves to go to the gym, to go to a meeting, to put down the food. I think it's a gift. Our job is to ask for the help, to do the footwork, to do the writing we don't really want to do, to work the steps, which I've done that. I've worked all 12 on my second time around. I think it's a gift. Um, and I feel so blessed to have a loving, working relationship with a higher power today that's really important. But I forgot about God. Um, and that happens sometimes, and that's okay. I just get to keep doing what works for me. And what's funny is that what works for me is really, really simple stuff. It's calling my sponsor. It's doing writing about the stuff that I don't want to feel about and talk about. It's going to meetings. It's saying yes to service commitments like this one. Um, and so I'm just so deeply grateful. I found a place where I could be completely at home with the truth about my eating and about what it looked like when it was me and the food in the fridge. I got to be real with all of you. And now today I get to be honest about my heart 
Okay, well, now I have questions from the Ask a Basket, and I want to try to get through all of them. Um, Eddie, you're so young. What kinds of amends have you made, or will you make? Hi, Eddie, compulsive overeater. I'm currently uh, working on amends. Um, out of Before program, I was a wild child, and uh, I was the most disrespectful, rude, disgusting child that you would see at the grocery store screaming at his parents because he wanted everything in the store. And that's just one example of what kind of nasty child I was because I wanted my food and I wanted my fix. Um, so I have a lot of amends to make over those uh, stealings and, uh, you know, forcing people, uh, really manipulative. Um, so I think uh, just kind of like a lot of other people's uh, amends that they have to make, I have to make amends with that, with just being a nasty person. And um, I guess that's it. I don't know what else to say. Thanks. Um, one of the questions was asking um, for an email for questions for one of the panelists. So after this meeting, the panelists, I'm sure, are going to be around. So please feel free to come up and ask them for whatever you need individually. Um, for the panelists who have been sexually assaulted and molested, how have you learned to trust your higher power um, and sexual partners? Okay, how have you learned to trust your higher power and sexual partners? Ooh, God. Um, thanks for the question and your bravery. Um, I was raised not to have sex until I was married, and I believe that, um, that the fact that I can have sex today is a miracle, and that is a gift for my higher power, and that is something um, that I know is whole and beautiful. The fact that I can let someone touch my body and see me, um, I take it as a blessing, and, I, and, I, and I'm there today because um, I went through outside counseling, and, um, and, and that really helped me. And how do I trust my sexual partner? I don't have sex with people I don't trust today. That's how I don't. That's, <laughs> that's the greatest answer. I only have sex with people that I trust. Thanks. Thank you so much for that question. I want to echo everything Laura said. This is really, really key issue for me, I think, in these rooms, which is that I think many, many of us are survivors of sexual trauma. And for me, it was important to acknowledge I needed some outside help. So part of what I'll say is that my OA sponsor is not a sexual assault crisis interventionist. That's not her specialty. She's a fellow OA member who's worked the steps. So it was important to be clear about the kind of help I needed to do that really critical healing. But as far as my higher power, something I worked through in my step work was I had to define a higher power for me that really worked. And my higher power couldn't be the magician one who made things happen in the world because if that was the case, then that would have meant my higher power let me be raped. And I just couldn't live with that. So I had to be really clear that my higher power is something within me that guides me and loves me and nourishes me and, um, and adores me and protects me to the extent that, that something inside of me can do that. But I had to be really clear that I couldn't do the magician God because that's a God that would have betrayed me. So that's something that came through my steps. And as far as trust goes, actually the hardest thing for me as a survivor was learning to trust myself, not other people, because I think all of us have an innate sense of what feels safe for us, what feels right for us, what feels good for us. Just like with the food, I had to learn to trust myself that I could go bite by bite and know what was right for me. Same thing with people. And I completely echo what Laura says. If it doesn't feel right, then it's not. Thanks. Speaker one, how did you actually start or how were you introduced to program? 
how was I introduced? Um, my um, my therapist told me about it, and my best friend told me about it. How did you actually start? How were you introduced to program? Um, my therapist and my best friend was my Eskimo, and um, like I said, I, I came here to relieve my head and not my body because uh, I have a problem up here and not on my body. Um, and and I googled it, and um, that's how I found out about it. Thanks. Christine, what is your daily practice? Um, I make a secret convention all around the country. <laughs> uh, um, daily practice, yeah. So imperfectly, right, what I do is I uh, pray and meditate. No, I don't. I pray. I don't meditate. I haven't meditated in a long time. I try to do that. I pray. Um, I do. I read from three of our daily readers, so some from some other programs. I do a 10th step. I'll call that a weekly 10th step. Used to be daily. Honestly, it's more like weekly. I, oh, I call my sponsor every day and I take sponsee calls. Is that right? Yep. I go to three to five meetings a week and I use a food plan. Yeah. Thanks. And I keep them in back. Eddie, can you talk about how you work the steps? Okay, hi. Um, so how I work the steps, with my first sponsor, I actually worked steps one, two, and three, and then I was uh, started a new sponsor, or started working with a new sponsor, so I started over. Um, currently right now, I am working on step four, and um, aside from working on that inventory, I'm actually working the steps towards other, um, towards helping me make amends or, or learn to um, just kind of be at peace with other circumstances and instance uh, situations that I have going on. So I, the question was how I work the steps, right? So the question is that I work the steps um, like the, uh, with a sponsor and um, I work out of the OA 12 and 12. Um, I, I use the OA 12 and 12 workbook occasionally, not for the fourth step. For the fourth step, I'm answering questions out of the um, actual book itself opposed to the workbook. Um, I also do a lot of, um, I read from the AA big book, which really, really helps me. I didn't used to understand it before, but um, like I said, as I've matured and grown in program with my abstinence and with my food plan and with the people around me, I have learned to understand um, those really precious words that are there for me to be able to use every day. So. Uh, this one, I guess, is for any of you all. Uh, what does abstinence mean? Abstinence from what? Oh. Well, I'm going to say what you told me. Okay. <laughs> um, what does abstinence mean to me? Um, it means living imperfectly and abstaining from what makes me hate myself. And what makes me hate myself is eating pizza and binging and going to multiple spots. Um, question is, what does abstinence mean? Um, but abstinence also, uh, for me, it doesn't mean eating perfectly. I eat really imperfectly on a daily basis. And, um, and I have acceptance for that today. And... Um, and I compulsively eat and abstinent sometimes, and that's okay. Um, but I don't binge, and I stay away from um, the things that uh, make me hate myself, and, and I've been doing that for three years. 
How do you communicate and handle your recovery with your friends or people that don't know the program? Hi, Eddie Kaposovovita again. Um, this is actually something that I worked through. Can I see the question, Matt, please? Um, but basically, um, it's okay. But basically, um, at this age, like I said, it's difficult for people to understand what it means to have a, pr a problem with food um, or what it means to be addicted to food. It's just difficult to um, cope with. But today, um, when I don't eat the junk that my friends eat, I get to say, no, thank you. I brought my own food. I get to... Um, I knew what the question was. I'm sorry. Um, I get to just say, no, thank you. And I get to eat the food that was meant for me. And the question, once again, is how do I communicate with other people my recovery? And, um, and other people, through time of consistently just being able to say, no, thank you, and be polite, because remember, I used to be really nasty and rude. I get to be polite, and I get to say, no, thank you. And um, over time, they just you just have to be in acceptance and... Um, I get to treat these people that don't have a program like newcomers and just like anybody else. And so, like I said, I just get to say no thank you until they kind of understand and, you know, be patient, be in acceptance. And um, you'll find that these people will probably understand, hopefully. So, thanks. we got two more questions, so I want to get through it before the next panel. Uh, Christine, I'm waiting for weight loss. It's not coming fast enough. How do I stay patient and keep my focus on the steps? So hard, bless your heart. I'm going to give you a big old hug. Um, right, so what my favorite prayer is, please, God, give me patience, but do it now. Damn it! Right? I mean, I really hear you. I mean, one of the primary reasons people come to this program is for weight loss. I really, really hear you. And all I know is that my higher power has a plan for me, and it may or may not, that weight loss may or may not happen in my time frame. So what I've learned to do in this program is that if I really, truly surrender, that means I let go of the idea that my body is supposed to be a certain size. One pragmatic thing I've heard fellows do, I've never done this again because I haven't experienced weight loss in, in this room, but is writing a letter to their fat, right? Writing a letter thanking the fat for protecting you, for being your friend, for being there, and really releasing it, letting it go, giving it permission to, to walk away. Actually, Laura might have a lot to contribute to that, but um, that's what I got on that. Keep coming back no matter what. We love you. Stick around. Okay. Last question. What does pro and this is for anyone. What does program look like for you on a daily basis? Just want to answer. Okay. What, what does the recovery look like on a daily basis? <laughs> I'm a visual student, y'all. Okay. Uh, what is program making my bed? making my bed every single morning, no matter what. It looks like washing my face at night. It looks like brushing my teeth. It looks like uh, showing up to meetings here, answering my sponsor's calls when I don't want to. <laughs> really, because I feel like I'm not good enough. And, I don't, I don't, and what I have to say isn't good enough for them. That's how I feel, and I get to like pray through that. Um, it looks like calling my own sponsor. It's getting on my knees at work at work, in the bathroom, begging my higher power to guide me through every second, texting my higher power. Um, I have higher power in my phone, but it's my number, so that I text him, and I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, let's talk. And then he writes back. Um, <laughs> and um, it's loving myself. It's loving myself um, and repeating that, um, that, gosh, I'm awesome just the way I am for today. So thanks.
guys all touch it. Okay. You want to take those home with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, at, uh, please help me thank the speakers for sharing their experience, strength, and hope. It is now time to close the session. Please join me in a moment of silence, followed by um, the third step prayer. God, I don't know if we have to. Do that. I don't know if they. Do. You want to hold? Hold our hands.